And uh, the season finale of the news for this week, Renee, is is wild. I mean, what a uh, a, a breaking news, not even news day, uh, a news night overnight. I, I don't even know where to begin. I when I think I know what you're going to start with. And when this came across my phone last night, I went, for reals? Yeah. <laughs> um, Israel is calling for the evacuation of 1.1 million people in northern Gaza to go south within... Uh, 24 hours as um, they build up tanks at the border for a ground invasion into Gaza. Uh, Yesterday, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, he was in Israel pledging his support for the country at a joint press conference with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. He held his own solo press conference later in the day. He says that he'll be traveling to Jordan and meeting with other Middle East heads of state and uh, most notably, the Palestinian president, Mahmoud Abbas, that's that's going to be testy, to discuss the release of U.S. hostages from Hamas. But I don't know how this ground invasion is going to affect that. It's going to be difficult. It, this I don't see this happening in that timeline. Yeah. Um, Israel also dropped flyers inside the Gaza Strip, warning civilians to head to known shelters and that anyone near Hamas terrorist or property is in danger. United States did pull the trigger, trigger along with Qatar uh, in agreeing to not release the $6 billion to Iran from the prisoner swap deal, even though Iran maintains they were as surprised as we were by the weekend's attack. But Hamas is almost exclusively armed and funded by Iran, so I don't think it matters. Um, I really hate doing this death toll every day, but uh, 2,500 dead, 1,300 Israelis, 27 Americans now. That number's been updated. Um How about some good news, at least? Lions linebacker Al Anzalone, his parents have gotten out of Israel safely. They're on their way back home. They might be home already. They were visiting uh, the country with a church group of 53 people when the war broke Mm -hmm. out. And all other members of their group were able to evacuate safely. And uh, I, I think the U.S. State Department is really ramping up their evacuation efforts as well. Yeah, White House National Security Council spokesman John Kirby announced Thursday that the U.S. will start Uh, arranging charter flights for Americans to leave Israel beginning today. Kirby said that the U.S. government is acutely aware of limited availability right now on commercial flights out of Israel and the demand signaled by U.S. citizens who may want to depart. Kirby added that they're still working through some of the details of that to assist U.S. citizens and their immediate family members who have, for whatever reason, not been able to provide commercial transit out of the country. He says, and I would add that we're also exploring other options to expand the capacity of doing this, including exploring whether it's possible to help Americans leave by land and by sea. Uh, Kirby made the announcement of the evacuation flights after saying that 27 Americans have now been confirmed killed in the Israel-Hamas war. And that's got to be such a nightmare because we've been covering it all week. You've been uh, you've been updating us. It seems like just about every commercial airline carrier is not flying into or out of that region for obviously safety concerns. So um, the U.S. State Department, uh, like uh, just about every other entity operating in that area, has an uphill climb. Uh, Now, closer to home here, Farmington Hills uh, police, they've arrested a man uh, for online threats against Palestinian Americans in Dearborn. And, uh, you know, just as we need to denounce the um, increase in anti-Semitism and threats against Jewish and Israel Americans, we have to do the same for threats against Palestinian Americans and, and, and Muslims, because the fact that they're in America, I think, shows 
that they want to live peacefully right. among other people who they'd be warring with back in the homeland. They're Americans. Right. And, and we can't be importing that here. We've got to keep our heads. Right. And this is exactly what I was afraid Let's not of. not be ignorant. Right. Exactly. And like I said, the key operative word is Americans. They're here for a reason. They're here because they want to escape that violence. So let's not bring it here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, look, hats off to law enforcement who are stepping up um, patrols in Jewish communities, in Muslim communities, and, 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 and sniffing out and stopping these threats. Um, because, like I said, um, we, 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 we can't be letting that going on here. We, we, we have to keep our heads. We need to stay together. Um, and, you know, Renee, just <laughs> it's amazing how fast all of Israel's opposing political parties came together under attack from Hamas. And uh, these people in the House uh, can't even get a speaker elected. This is what I was thinking you were talking about. When oh, we opened. I'm sorry. For real? Yeah. Sorry. I mean, to throw you a <laughs> no, curve. That's OK. You did a good job, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Steve Scalise. The uh, uh, congressman from Louisiana who was the Republicans candidate for speaker of the House, he's pretty much said just the hell with it. He stepped down, even though his opponent, Jim Jordan, stepped down too and say, "Okay, guys, just vote for Steve and let's get this done. They both threw their hands up, basically. But you know what? I'm wondering if Scalise had a talk with his wife, his family and said, you know what? I'm not healthy. This is a mess. I don't think it's worth it. Yeah, the guy's fighting blood cancer. Right. The guy survived a gunshot from someone who attempted to assassinate him at a congressional baseball game. There's that, too. I I, I mean, and, and here's the thing. He was 100 votes away um, yesterday. Right. So he's probably trying to get out of the way for someone who might be more electable. And uh, I got to say, to 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 nonpartisan Americans who don't really have a political team, Matt Gates looks stupid. The Freedom Caucus looks stupid. The people who voted to oust McCarthy, the Republicans, um, look stupid. The Democrats who worked with him to avert a shutdown and voted him out when there was blood in the water, they look stupid. Can I, I add to this? Yes, please. We all look stupid to everybody. Our government looks stupid right now. You're right, to the rest of the world. We look stupid. And the rest of the world is sitting here saying, okay, you know what, uh, you know, you got uh, Blinken overseas. You got uh, President Biden pledging aid to Israel. And it's not happening because we can't do anything. Yeah. So as a blanketed statement, we look stupid. And I hate that I'm here defending Jim Jordan and Kevin McCarthy because these, these are two guys who have made me roll my eyes and yeah. throw my hands up in the air. Um, but, you know... They're the only ones who don't look stupid in right. this. Republicans have the numbers to get done. They can't. Meanwhile, Israel's twisting in the wind, and, and there's another shutdown week. So I actually, you know, Renee, Kevin McCarthy does look dumb for taking that deal back in January yeah. where, um, you know, he, he agreed to that rule that one obstructionist bozo like Matt Gates uh, could could call for him to be recalled and to unseat him just so he can put it on his business card. So I, I guess maybe it's just Steve Scalise and Jim Jordan that don't look stupid in this whole thing. <laughs> Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> um, I would say I, I would say Sean Fain is my new fashion icon. By the way, I, I can't wait to uh, watch his Facebook lives every Friday to see what kind of uh, vibrant T-shirt he's wearing. Is it going to be a solid, a color? Will it be a statement piece with it, some kind of saying on it? Right. I know you were a fan of the camouflage. Uh, I did like that. <laughs> he threw us a curveball last week and had a, a fun little eat the rich. Yeah. I can't. I can't wait to see what he's going to. Um, 
be wearing today at his 10 a.m. Facebook Live. He's addressing the UAW. And, excuse me, I really have no idea what to expect. None of us do. Because last week it sounded like we were very, very close to, to deals. And, and I feel like more uh, places will be called to strike more locations just because it's a 10 a.m. where last week it was 2 p.m. See, and that, that's what I thought, too. I, I, I thought last week, okay, 2 p.m., um, if he was going to have people strike, he would have had them walk out at noon. Right. But this is a little bit later. And so I feel like we were pretty good with our predictions last week. Yeah. So since it was 2 p.m., there was no locations called to strike. 10 a.m. seems like 10 a.m. Then at noon, they strike. Yeah. Somebody's walking out. Right. And um, yesterday, um, f- one of the, the higher ups at Ford came out and said that they were surprised by the strike he called at the uh, truck plant um, down in Kentucky because they felt like they were making progress. And Ford says that they're at their limit. Like, they, they can't give much more or else they're going to lose it. You don't believe that? I, I don't. That's, I mean, look, it's all gamesmanship out, ship out there. That was a Freudian slip. <laughs> <laughs> just keeping did it. you have to dump yourself? I did, just to be safe. Yeah. If you're listening on the podcast, too hot for radio. but um, <laughs> Can we call our podcast that? If yeah, if you, yeah, Too hot for radio. The new name. I had a Freudian slip there. I'm sorry, everybody. Um, but uh, yeah, it's all gamesmanship, and um, you know, so, so so who knows? And and Sean Fain met with Stellantis yesterday, so um, we're going to be on the edge of our seats there at 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 10 a.m. this morning. But um, I feel like we're further away from a deal than we were last Friday. Yeah. So, all right. Running late. Surprise, surprise. First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale on WJR. First thing in the morning. It's first thing on WJR. Here's Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale. I put a little oregano on your name there, Renee. Vitale. Vitale. Is that how you're supposed to say it? Have I just been Midwesting it up? Renee Vitale. That's how we do it. But yeah, he's right. It's Vitale. Vitale. Uh I like it. Um. We Let's, just go Vitaly. Vitaly. <laughs> put a little ranch on your apple. That's exactly what we did. We took the sauce away and put ranch on it. <laughs> we're, go- we're going to Ikea in Canton. <laughs> right. With uh, Barb. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Barb. That's my mom's hey, Barb. name. Um, I call her Barb. Anyway, love you, Ma. Um, so, you know, that first, that, that, that first news break obviously was kind of heavy. Uh, so let's get a little fest of this segment. Um, it's the second scariest day in October. It's Friday the 13th. I oh, have, man. I know. I forgot. Great. Now it's going to be in your head. No, I feel like every day has been Friday the 13th right. lately. Right. Usually every day for me is Friday the 13th, and then I have good luck on the one day a year. Right. Um, you know what? You used to be able to find a, a Jason Voorhees movie anytime you wanted on Friday the 13th. Now you can't find one. Oh, you can't? This country's going to hell. Uh, well, there's that. <laughs> um, and, and since it's spooky season, it's the second spookiest day in October. Uh-huh. Uh, Renee, have you ever had a paranormal experience? I mean, my house is haunted. It's, I fully believe that. It's haunted. Yeah, it's an old house. So weird stuff happens all the time. When I when we bought our house, there was this website where you could look up to see if anyone died in your house for like $30. Really? And I looked it up because I don't I, I, I That's don't want, a thing? Yeah, I don't want to mess with that. So uh, uh, tell me a little more about your haunted house. There's weird thuds and noises, and we've actually had people crawl in our attic because Ooh. it comes from the attic. Could it just be your old house settling? 
Um, it's beyond that. It's 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 like a punch. Anything super scary happen? Like anything uh, uh, like standing over your bed at night? Or no, but there's a phone that rings in my basement. We don't have a phone down there. Really? Yeah, that that's kind of bizarre. Wow. Yeah, it's. I want you to come over to my Halloween party tomorrow, so I'm not going to say anything more. I don't want to freak you out too much. Yeah, well, if uh, if a phone rings, I'm le- if a landline rings. It is a landline. It is a land, but and we you don't, don't have, have a- one. It- it's just a disembodied phone. Uh huh. Wow. Um, I've had a couple, but um, WDIV and local ghost hunting group Detroit Paranormal Expedition, led by uh, Jeff Adkins, Todd Bonner, they've been researching the paranormal in Michigan for years. They've been on the Travel Channel, all shows like Paranormal Survivor, Haunted Case Files, Paranormal Caught on Camera, which is uh, to the Travel Channel what ridiculousness is to MTV. It's on all the time. Uh, they wrote a guest blog for Channel 4 about the most haunted bars and restaurants around the city and the state. I've been to a few, and, and maybe we'll highlight a few of these as we get closer um, to Halloween. But um, let's start with the most famous one, the Whitney. Yeah. Um, I, and I'll have to take their word for it because I'll never be able to afford to get into the Whitney. That must be one affluent ghost. Um, maybe but- when our show goes syndicated. Yeah. <laughs> We, we can have uh, unlimited breadsticks with right. uh, the Whitney ghost. Um, they say the Whitney restaurant was built between 1890 and 1894 by a prominent lumber baron, David Whitney. It served as his family home until 1920. Uh, it's 21,000 square feet, 52 rooms, 10 bathrooms, 20 fireplaces. Um, it's also long rumored to be haunted. And uh, the guys from Detroit Paranormal Expedition said they were lucky enough to investigate a few years ago. And they uh, captured a recording of what they think is Grace Whitney in the carriage house. And I'm going to play this. And you tell me if you think that this sounds like a ghost. Did you hear that? Okay, well, those were people at the end. A little too much white noise, I think. I didn't hear anything. Yeah. One more time. I'll play it one more time because it sounds like a lot of white noise. Did you hear that? You know, I heard a little. Mm, 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 I mm. thought maybe it was the furnace or something. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it was too much white noise to um, um, to uh, to decipher. But um, I don't know about that one. Like, like I said, I, I've I've had a couple of experiences I can't explain. That doesn't mean sure. they're paranormal. That doesn't mean they can't be explained. Just my simple intellect couldn't wrap my head around right, it. Right, right. Um, I have been on that ghost tour that they're talking about, though. Oh, at the Whitney? Not at the Whitney, but there's other bars that that group hits. Yeah. The Two Way In. Yep. Uh, I think they go to Nancy Whiskey's. Uh, there's a couple other bars on there that it gets... Kaju Cafe was Kaju on Cafe. it. Cafe. Yeah. Yep, I've been to that one as well. Where it's if you really have ba- interesting. If you have a bad day feather bowling, you just say it's the ghost blowing your... Yeah. pulling it the wrong direction. Um, I got to find... I used to do this online radio show in the old Russell Industrial Complex. It's that big... Yeah. It's that big uh, 75 and 94. It's and that clay. big... Yeah, with the building with mm-hmm. the with the, the lion on it. Yep. It, it's an old factory. Inside, it looks like Nightmare on Elm Street. And, and one time, while I was doing a, an online radio radio show podcast there i've been looking for this audio i gotta find it by the end of october um 
I, ca- I think I caught an EVP because no there's just a disembodied voice in the middle of, of, of my show. So I, I got to find that. I got to go like three laptops back because this was forever ago. But I do really? think I caught an EVP. Uh, you know, when we were in New Orleans, I felt like there was, you know, it's a very haunted area. Oh, it's, I, Yeah, I think it's it's rumored to be one of the most haunted uh, with, with the voodoo and the, 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 the witchcraft and, and the uh, bodies not buried because it's below sea level. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like there was a vibe while we were there, for sure. I'm definitely not going on a ghost tour because I don't want anything following me home. That's why you've got ghost phones in your basement. Maybe. That if might be it. I might have brought home. something home, an ultimate souvenir. Renee brought a man home from the bar, but he's dead. <laughs> Story of my life. <laughs> um, Thanksgiving. Um, Walmart has announced its plans for Thanksgiving, a couple of years ago, them and, and other big name uh, retailers experimented with opening for Black Friday on Thanksgiving night, and uh, they they announced whether they're whether or not they're going to do that this year. Yeah, they said that for the fourth year in a row, they are going to be closed on Thanksgiving. Uh, the message was shared by the corporation on X, formerly known as Twitter. The post read, Thanksgiving is a special day. We want our store associates to have the chance to spend it with their families and loved ones. Uh, John Forner, who is the president of uh, Walmart, says... Uh, they, this decision aligns with our company's commitment to prioritize its employees and customers' well-being oh, really? and safety since the COVID-19 pandemic by giving its workers a much-needed break to spend time with loved ones. How benevolent. <laughs> no, you're not you buying that- it? No. All this means is that it's not that profitable to open <laughs> up on Thanksgiving. No, not since Amazon. Right. They're not making any more money to justify the backlash that they get for ripping their employees away from their family. Right. Target uh, CEO Brian Cornell declared that all Target stores would be closed on Thanksgiving Day as well. Wow. Oh, how noble of all, them. All these CEOs must have been visited by three <laughs> ghosts or something to help them. <laughs> To, yeah. to help them change their mind. Apparently, Costco, BJ's, Kohl's, Lowe's, Home Depot, same thing. I, I'm so glad this opening on Thanksgiving night for Black Friday, this experiment failed. I was appalled when this happened. I, You know, I'm not going to lie. My sister and I were those people that got up at 4 a.m. Black Friday. My, yeah, my, my wife w- was big into that, too. And it, I'm so happy that's done. One of my favorite holiday traditions she doesn't do it anymore, but, you know, the first few years we lived together, she would get up with her friends and go Black Friday yep. shop. One of my favorite traditions, Black Friday morning, was her alarm going off at 3 a.m. and then me rolling over and going back to sleep. Yep, yep. Have fun, honey. Good I do, luck. I do like venturing out on Black Friday like later in the day because it's just like the aftermath. It looks like an apocalypse. You go in, happen. At, you go in like at 6 p.m. and yep. you, there's a little tumbleweed going by. <laughs> right. And uh, let's finish this segment with Christmas. Uh, We were talking about Prime Days earlier this week, and I said Amazon should hold another Prime Day on the deadline to ship Christmas presents. That was a great idea. And they've they've released those deadlines. USPS Ground Advantage, I think that's the cheapest. You got to get it out by December 16th uh, for it to arrive before Christmas. Uh, same thing, first class mail for greeting cards, priority mail, which I think would get is going to get very pricey the closer you get to Christmas. It's going to be December 18th, priority mail express, uh, December 20th. So what this means is I'll get my shopping done by December 15th and I'll have this false sense of a 10 day buffer. Uh-huh. But by, by the time by the time that rolls around, you can't find anything in the stores anyway. So 
the, the deadline's December 15th, or, or people are going to be getting New Year's presents. All I do anyway is shop Prime and have it mailed to their house. Yeah. Shipped to their house. I remember when online shopping became a thing. I, 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 would, say, I would say to myself, there's no way I'm going to do all my shopping online. I like to be out in the hustle and bustle. Now I'm like, keep, now I'm like, keep that hustle and bustle away yeah. from me. Nope. If it can't be bought online, it ain't getting bought. Sorry. Everyone's been naughty this year. You're not getting anything until <laughs> after the shipping deadline. First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale on WJR. And we're heading into the Friday edition of JR Morning with Guy Lloyd and Jamie, and they join us in the studio. The second spookiest day of October, Friday the 13th. Let's go around the panel. Uh, are, are any of us superstitious in here? I'm not. You're lucky. I'm not. I'm not I don't care about Friday the 13th. No. I don't, I don't think I think. But <laughs> my dad used to work in like an emergency room in Pittsburgh. He's uh-huh. a doctor. And he said weird things happen on Friday the 13th in hospital. I've heard yeah. that. Well, I mean, they say the same thing about full moons, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. The, this kind of brings out the crazy. In a lot of buildings don't have 13th floors. Yep. Uh, I, yeah, I think maybe what happens is, is people get freaked out of Friday the 13th and, and, and the self-fulfilling prophecies or something. Uh, I, I was really superstitious. The, the roller hockey craze of the 90s, um, I really wanted to be a goaltender because I thought, you know, Chris Osgood, Martin Broder, Ed Belfour look so cool in their gear. And it's such a nerve-wracking position that that you really do become superstitious. So I'd only, I'd never let my bag touch the ground. I'd only dress uh, from right to left, and I was able to break my superstition when I realized that I was just not good. So it didn't matter what I did. <laughs> when, I, when I read that those guys barfed before every game out of anxiety, I, that I, I said, you know what? I want I want a job where I don't barf before I go to work. Yeah, keeps you yeah. thin. That would get rid of this little spare tire. Uh Sometimes I'm superstitious on the golf course. Really? Sometimes. If I'm having a really good round, don't, you know, mess it up. Okay. Well, don't you get in your head, like, if you put three pars together, you go, well, I I can't possibly par this next hole because I've never done that before. Yeah, yeah, your doubt gets in your head. The other thing is, is weren't we all a little superstitious every time the Lions took the field until this season? Well, (laughs) yeah, I guess guess you could say that. And that didn't work either up until this season. Right, right. Um, so, uh, Renee, I, I believe you're going to be at the Taylor Swift screening tomorrow. Uh, Jamie, are you going to be there as well? Yes. I, I guess it's a girl's day. I, I guess they've, <laughs> they've moved it up the, the premiere because, um, there's so much demand. I it was last night, wasn't it? Yeah. Wednesday. Wednesday was the premiere, was but, right. okay. but it well, opened Beyonce up to the public. showed up. Yeah, it opened up to the public yesterday when it, should, it was supposed to be today, right? Right. Yeah. I can't believe the NFL made her work on the two days between her premieres. <laughs> she, oh, yeah, she was all over the place yesterday. <laughs> it was funny because uh, I, I watched a little bit of that game, and you could tell Al Michaels and uh, Kirk Herbstreet were trying so hard not to say anything every time the camera cut there. Like, they were trying to they were, they were were trying to do a football game around Taylor Swift. <laughs> they were at war with their own producer and their own yeah. director. Wait, it was a football game? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, it was. A Swifty appearance. Right. It was a Donna Kelsey, Taylor Swift meet and greet. Right, right. Well, well it actually, a- it was Brittany Mahomes and Taylor Swift getting most of the coverage. They mm-hmm. were standing next to each other, and I guess they're besties now. Oh. Well, Jamie, have you made your your bracelets for Saturday? <laughs> no, I'm I'm not that much of a Swifty, but I, you know I like her. Yeah. So yeah, I'm into I'm into this. You know, Taylor, uh, who, who's who's working a worse schedule right now, Taylor Swift or Jamie? Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Good point. I, I go home and I see I see Jamie on TV, and I'm just like, let the woman sleep. <laughs>
<laughs> Should we start carrying free Jamie signs? Right. Uh, exactly. My body is kind of adjusting to it. Right. You know, I'm taking a nap in the middle of the day, but you know, the reasons why I'm working at night is for my coworker Bernie Smilovitz right. and things that he is going through. So it is it is something I can do for him. Which yeah. doing yeah. a solid. We should say that we went to the service on Tuesday and it was just amazing. And our, Donna Rockwell, as we were talking about, Bernie's wife passed away over the weekend and un- very unexpectedly. And yes. Her two sons, the eulogies they gave. My God, what a legacy! Yeah, you. She, she it has. was beautiful. She she was a mom first, and she was a very smart woman in her career. Two different careers, very successful, and and may her yeah. memory be a blessing. He- Heaven is a glow with her pride. Yes. in those two boys. Sparkle, I think, is yeah. something they said. Big, it, big time. And uh, she almost got a show here after Dr. Laura. Um, moved to Sirius, um, yeah. they were trying to do a, a local Dr. Lori. I think corporate made a different decision, but I remember I, I got to work with her for a couple nights in a row. And, uh, yeah, she she was lovely, and she took to radio right away. And um, it's been, you know, years since since we talked. But, yeah, it was, it was an absolute shock when we heard about that. Well, it was a, it was a who's who of Washington broadcasters. Katie Couric did a theology, Curry didn't she? Theology. Mm-hmm. Brian Williams was wow. there, Stone Phillips. I mean, she worked uh, at uh, she worked at CNN in the at, early at, at early the days. Yeah. She was there for the launch, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and she went all over the world as a producer for CNN. So. Yeah, before she decided to make this life change and help people as a therapist, yeah. and that's why she was such a sought after guest here because just what a, she was a fountain of wisdom. Yes, and she was lovely. Yeah. She gave me counsel on different things sometimes. <laughs> uh, never take two jobs that require you to have no nights sleep. and yeah. mornings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, rest in peace, Donna, and and you know thoughts thoughts with the smile of its uh, family. I mean, what what a shock. Um, God, we got we have three huge stories that I'm sure we're going to be touching on uh, all throughout the morning. Um, it looks like uh, Israel, a ground invasion of Gaza, is imminent. They ordered evacuations. Um, the the house uh, in total disarray. Steve Scalise has said, "The hell with it." Chaos. Uh, God, <laughs> this is unbelievable. He, he didn't say that, but that was certainly the the, the un, inf- unsaid inf- part. Inf- inf- yeah. yeah. And uh, oh, by the way, what's Sean Fain gonna uh, announce at ten a.m.? So. Uh, again, never a reason to change your dial. First thing, WJR. First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, and I, You know, I love weather so much, Renee, I decided to give people a double dose. <laughs> you can never have too much weather in your life. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, he's overseas in the Middle East working to get American hostages released from Hamas's custody in the Gaza Strip. Republican Congressman John James has engaged in urban combat during his time in the military. He discusses what American hostage teams might be up against while offering direct help to families who have loved ones in Israel. The risk to civilian life in Gaza and the risk to military life on the ground, Israeli military life, is extraordinary. Now they don't think they have a choice. It is the most densely populated place in the world. It's an area about the size of New York City. Two million people packed into this little area. And uh, and they're going to have to take this risk, and they are, and they're preparing the country for it. It's exactly the size of the city of Detroit is what it is, 143 square miles, talking about the Gaza Strip, where we now have uh, 360,000 Israeli reservists on call and getting ready to move in to try to eradicate Hamas from the Gaza Strip, to cut the cancer out, if you will. And, And with so many saying that they don't represent the Palestinian people, if they did, they wouldn't have brought such misery upon them. U.S. Congressman 
from Michigan's 10th District, Republican John James joining us live this morning, who uh, is no stranger to the to the difficulties of urban warfare. Congressman, good morning. Uh, good morning. Good morning, uh, everyone. Thank you for having me on. As, as you look at this, uh, John James, through the practiced eye of, of a, a battle veteran, uh, what do you see of, of the complexities and the difficulties of moving into a densely populated urban area like this? Um, I, I see uh, pain and misery uh, and something I wouldn't wish um, on, on anyone, uh, which is why I need you to get your pens and your pencils and your paper out right now. I need you to get your pens and your pencils and your paper out right now if you're listening to this. If you have family members who are over there and affected by this war and are trying to get out, please contact my office at 586-498-7122. Again, 586-498-7122. We are doing our best to work with the administration and the State Department to make sure that everyone is accounted for so that Americans in particular can get out. And so if you are missing family members over there, we can help you along the lines to identify them. I have been to war in the Middle East in urban combat. It's the closest thing to hell on earth, and I want to work with you to make sure we get your family out. How difficult will it be for these Israeli soldiers going into that environment, even though the airstrikes have been hitting, to try and find people? I I just can't imagine. Um, yeah, no, uh, you, you can't, and and uh, something that I don't want to think about. But um, um, going from not just uh, block to block, but house to house, um, thinking of the uh, the blind corners, the booby traps, um, the suicide bombers, uh, working in day in and day out, um, being able to hold territory like trying to hold water in your hands. Um, this is something that is going to uh, is, is going to cost lives. It's going to take time. Um, but it's something that must be done with the full support of the United States of America. Um, flying um, um, Apaches in combat in a densely urban area, um, particularly Sadr City, in my experience, it was a, uh, uh, a very densely populated area in Baghdad. Um, we had to provide uh, aerial cover uh, and everything from munitions to radio calls to a navigation assistance uh, in a very densely and in- in- a tightly populated area, but this is what's different about the West. This is what's different about Israel and how we fight war and how terrorists fight. The difference is that we do everything that we can to protect innocent life. We do everything that we can to only target the evil terrorists who are killing innocent people, and that is what we do. We prosecute war with precision, and we prosecute war with decisiveness to keep uh, the uh, the collateral damage down uh, and to keep as many people safe as possible. And when you go into something like this and you know that there are hostages and there are going to be civilians that, um, you know, may get killed, you have to go in and when you're trying to take out a terrorist group like, you know, Hamas and, and eradicate them, you have to go in knowing that that's the that's the job and there may be some collateral damage. Yeah, um, and, and, and being in situations, we see how these uh, Iranian-trained forces, uh, how, they, how, they, how they work. Um, the militias that we were fighting uh, in, in Iraq, specifically in Sadr City, uh, in OIF 0709, uh, they were trained by the Iranians. 
Uh, they'd kidnap innocent people like you're seeing in Gaza today. They would bring them into protected sites like schools and hospitals and mosques because they were playing on Western sensibilities. They were playing on, uh, on, our, on, our, on our compassion. Um, they were playing on the laws of war. Uh, they were taking hostages. Uh, and, and they were making it more difficult for us to say, um, uh, as they would fire at U.S. troops, as they would fire at civilians, they would do so behind um, uh, 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 human shields from uh, protected areas. And so that required uh, a lot more time and effort. Uh, these are truly evil uh, individuals who are, who are putting uh, innocent people in harm's way. And uh, it, it, it takes patience. It takes precision. It takes careful planning and resolve, which is why we must stand by Israel um, uh, through this. I, I know what they're going through, and it is, it is not pretty, um, but it, it's going to take us doing everything that we can to support them. And again, John James's uh, office's phone number, if you have family who are, are affected or stuck over in Israel during this conflict, 586-498-7122. Again, 586 586- Four nine eight seven one two two, and uh, Renee, uh, another big story that came out yesterday is that Social Security recipients re- recipients are going to get a a marginal um, cost of living raise, three point two percent, so fifty bucks. Yeah, fifty dollars a month, which 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 isn't much beginning and, in January. And um, you know, I. Do you think Social Security is going to be there for us? We're close in age. It's, we're about 20, 20 years away from collecting. I do not. I think maybe because I feel like it, the fact that it's kind of a Ponzi scheme by design maybe makes it sustainable because, <laughs> you know, we're paying into it more than our parents did. The next generation is going to be paying more into it than we did. So I think the money is always going to be there. But... I wouldn't be, but but there is a part of me that that that's afraid it's not going to. Maybe I'm, not the duration of our time, our golden years. Yeah, we're gonna have to. Ma- they're gonna like push our ages to eighty before we can. Yeah, that's probably right. Uh, 